Welcome to Sex Spoken Here with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex coach and relationship psychologist and created this show to help you solve any sexual problems, learn about all things sexy, sensual, and intimate, and create your ideal lasting relationship. In my virtual therapy room, I answer questions, interview experts, and provide tips that you can use straight away. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create a problem-free, exciting sex life. Make sure you join us to be up to date on all events and to easily access coaching at www.the-intimacy-coach.com. Welcome to my virtual therapy room. I am Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is Sex Spoken Here. Remember, this podcast deals with adult themes, so if you don't have privacy, you might wish to put on your headphones. Today, I start my series about the care and feeding of the penis. Joining me today is G.P. Walsh. He is a spiritual teacher, author, and speaker, as well as a recognized expert in meditation and the emotional freedom technique. He's been coaching and healing for over 30 years and touched thousands of lives. He has been involved in men's work since the mythopoetic men's movement of the 1990s and has himself gone through two different male initiation rituals and has a special practice, has had a special practice for coaching men as men. He is the founder of The Balls Project, an online forum for men. Nicknamed the Irreverent Sage, his mixture of humor and insight will take you on an amazing ride into the depths of your soul. He brilliantly takes the most arcane and difficult life teachings and reduces them to the simplest and most practical language that anyone can understand and apply. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Beth, for having me. It's really great to be here and and uh, talk about men. Yes. <laughs> and I, I mean, I think I think. Um, People will be surprised, but in some ways it's an oft-missed subject um, when you're talking about relationships. Yes. Um, and so I did one series, as my listeners will know, called The Care and Feeding of the Vagina, and we're following it with The Care and Feeding of the Penis. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's start with, because um, I mentioned that you started The Balls Project, so let's start there. And right. talk about what led you to start that. What was it, and why? Well, I, I had, um, uh, as I said, I'd been involved in the in the men's movement back in the '90s, uh, and I had actually had the wonderful privilege of being in a men's support group for five years. Um, we all lived in Manhattan at the time, and we actually met once a week for three hours at somebody's house at night. Uh, we had goal buddies, so uh, we had. Con uh, daily conversations with each other. We did special events. We volunteered at soup kitchens. We cleaned up parks, as well as did inner processing work with each right. other. And um, and this was like five years, and it just was obvious to me that the the vast majority of men have never had that level of support, and never meant and never known what that meant to what it meant to have that. And um, after I had moved out of New York City, so I wasn't participating in, in that anymore. And um, uh, I came, uh, I 
it really happened by, by accident. I'd been developing my uh, the Master Heart Institute. I'm developing inner reconciliation, my own process for inner work. Um, and I gave a talk at this uh, this one place. And there was this young guy who was 29 or 30 at the time. The guy's accomplished. He's a world class bass player, right? And he 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 asked some questions during the uh, during the show, and. He he said that he was absolutely shocked because he'd asked the questions. He kind of buried it, and I just picked it up and threw it right in right into his face. I was really blunt about it when I responded. I you know disregard for the the, the format of the show. It was supposed to be an adult show, so I you know I wasn't I wasn't like push, pushing the envelope that that far. And he was just so moved by that um, that he got in touch with me. He found out how to get in touch with me. He got in touch with me a couple of days later and we did a couple of sessions together. We really ch just bashed through a lot of the stuff that was bugging him, but he had just not met anybody who was, who would treat him like a man and the, and the issues that he had and the fears he had as a man, especially around, around women and career and that, and that sort of thing. Um, and then he said to me, well, look, I, you know, I don't have that much money. Um, can I, can I do something? Can I do your website for you? Can I make something happen? Because in, in addition to being a world-class bass player and traveling all around at Philwood, Patty Austin, I mean, big, big Grammy award winner. I mean, he's a really a great player, but you know, it's not the highest paying gig in the world. Anyway. Um, so I said, well, you know, I've had this idea brewing about a forum for men. I mean, what do you think of that? And he just got really excited about it. And so he put all the technology together for it and we developed the content for it. And over the over the time now, I think we have over 400 videos that we made that were both me talking on various subjects, answering questions, conversations between the, the two of them. And we just kind of opened it up for men. We made it so cheap that, you know, that, you know, it was not cost prohibitive to anybody. Um, the, the oldest, person was in their man was in their 50s well other than me i was the oldest guy there and the youngest was actually still in high school and and the and what was really fascinating is the sweet spot was all, guys between about 25 and 35 who were just utterly like sponges they were so hungry to be able to have conversations like that to interact with other men like that um and so that's how the whole that's how the whole thing uh, happened, and it was great because it it you know made use of all those skills I had learned back in the '90s about you know processing and working with uh, men and that sort of thing, um, and it was just in a format format that you know these are things these guys are never going to discover the myth of poetic movement you know they're not going to stumble into some place and get a, a male initiation <laughs> ritual, and the way we got them all, which was really funny, is 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 the bulk of them came from the pickup community. Now, I didn't even know this existed, right? <laughs> I mean, I had no idea about that. Obviously, I'm not interested, so I wouldn't go exploring it. Pretty much everybody who came that way were part of that and just completely disillusioned with it because it was just so superficial. There was there was nothing satisfying their heart. There was no real inner work going on. And so uh, my uh, uh, partner, you know, who became my business partner, actually, Evan. He was in these various forums because he was doing that as well. And uh, he would just like post messages, you know, post a video that I had put up or uh, something about it. Before you know it, everybody started wanting to check this out and and fell in love with inner work as opposed to just the, the, the superficial part of it. So, I mean, you know, when we're talking about the care and feeding of the penis, we're talking about... Um, 
we, you know, it, it's a fun name. And it is. It's a great. Right, it's a fun name, and um, and we will talk anatomy and things like that. But there is this this underlying thing for me, the same as when uh, as as when I did care and feeding of vagina, which is the idea that um, often people just don't feel like they have a place where they can ask the questions, not just right. about you know anatomy and and. Um, and issues that are about sexual function, but mm-hmm. about relationships, about feelings, about worries, about concerns, that there doesn't seem to be a comfortable place. Yes, there to isn't. Talk about this stuff. And for men, I think um, I think it's harder in some ways. It's easier to talk about certain aspects of sex. For men. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, the the conquest and the score is easy to talk about. Well, yeah, and I mean, when we were talking about um, on the care and feeding of the vagina, and and I also just finished, you know, we're also with that, I have another podcast, the A to Z of sex, which um, some listeners will know, and we I did V is for vagina. So um, in this conversation, we're talking about the fact in both of those conversations that you know, for women, the anatomy is is primarily hidden. Yes. You know, it's not easy to find necessarily if um, if a woman is is um, a woman of size, it may be truly hidden. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and, and actually so, that it doesn't always coincide. I mean, some women who are smaller still have quite um, a bit of fat over the vulva. And so they're truly hidden. But for men, it's all out to show. So you don't get situations where men have never looked at their own penis. Right. <laughs> that's not something that no. that's an issue. Um, no. It's you know, a daily occurrence. That's right. And, and, <laughs> and men explore themselves. And I mean, you do get it when guys gain weight. And one of the big things that I, I mean, <laughs> you know, men will say is, you know, I, I can't see my penis anymore. I need to lose some weight. <laughs> it's one of the signs that you've, you've gone over the line and not pant size. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. So, you know, I mean, but it's something that, you know, we, we make light of it, but actually it's a really significant difference because it's all yep. on show for you. So you guys explore. Yep. Whereas yeah, women often don't. So the they focus yeah. for me often with women is about getting them to know their own responses. Whereas with men, yeah, you might work with men. I work with men on desire in a different way, but not about their own physical responses because they already know those. Yes, yes, it's very, it's very true. We learned them very young, and uh, you know, even if we were put to shame for it, we did it anyway. You know, <laughs> you know, it, you know, when we were sleeping out in the backyard, whatever, wherever we could to, you know, to kind of explore that uh, territory. So it's not foreign, but what is foreign is feeling. Right. What is foreign is, is relationship. What is foreign is even a setting. You know, I wanted to add to the list of things that we men need to talk about is is, the, is their anger. They need to have a place to express the incredible okay. anger and sometimes rage about how they've been diminished, how they've been demas- in, uh, emasculated, how they have been just kind of pushed to the side, you know, become a become a, a cog in some corporation somewhere sitting in a cubicle, you know, reduced to a resource in their families and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of anger men are carrying around, not recognizing their, that their own, 
that it isn't just i mean th there's a righteous rage in that it isn't just you know oh you you know control your anger it's like no there's something something very essential has been violated by the culture as a whole and it's it's nobody's fault in particular um but it has been i mean it's a, you know we live in a very in in a place that is not very celebratory of either men or women as is naturally i mean it's all what you can do what can you do for the culture it has nothing to do with who you are or what value you might have or you know just kind of the the innate beauty and wonder and mystery of the genders which is like you know sh i mean just what you just step back from you know but good god I mean, just the, the the sheer cosmic mystery of it just fills me with awe, and we just don't get a we don't get in touch with that. And anyway, they don't even teach music and poetry in schools anymore, where that stuff is, you know, even that's been reduced to 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 you know bullshit. Pardon my. Uh, yeah, don't worry, you know, we swear on this show. Okay, good. Sentimentality, you know, romanticism, none of the depth, you know. None of the, none of the, none of the huevos, you know, <laughs> none of the, it's like none of the, the concha de la lore, that's a phrase they use in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Argentina, believe it or not, you know, we'd say, we'd say, God damn it, the concha de la lore, which means the, the pussy of a parrot. <laughs> it's a very okay. common, it's a, it's a very common expression of, of discontent. <laughs> I mean, I do think it's, there, there's this such a such a disaffection full stop and actually getting getting people in touch with their their bodies their feelings where their feelings are in their bodies you know out of their heads into the present time yes. sitting in now nobody uh, and i wonder if you've experienced the same thing that people really have lost the ability to stop and experience something now right. that think we experience through either we're multitasking right or we experience through things like through a camera yeah. through a phone, <laughs> through, through that's a computer, right through an ipad that there's yeah my son was telling me he was at a concert the other night, and the entire concert, he's sitting there grooving on the concert, the entire concert, somebody was standing next to him holding their phone, recording it. And he was going, hey, dude, when you're done, can I get a copy? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy, enjoy the show. No, it's true. We've been completely... You know, it, you know it's, it's belittled. It's diminished. The idea of just, like, feeling, right, of being absolutely present. I, I like to call it the power, the, the power of wow. You know, it's just that moment when you see the, the face of a child or hear a child laughing or that you come around the corner and there's a vista you hadn't seen before. And you just, ah, oh, it just takes your breath away. But almost immediately the narrative begins, right? Do, do you think that that has an impact as to why there's more impotence, for example, in men oh, now? Oh, absolutely. A absolutely. If you drain a man of his, of, of his poetic sensibilities, of the mystery of life, which is the juice of life, you can't help but have the, the you know, the whole energy of the system shrink up, and become, you know, drone-like. You can't help it. You can't disconnect, you know, the, 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 the creative juices, the, the energy of the heart, and deep intellectual curiosity. You cannot disconnect that from the functioning of the body and functioning of somebody's role. You can't deprive that and expect them to be, 
to be normal. I call it the whale in the swimming pool. You can't take a whale. She used to put everything thousands of miles a year. The whole, you know, three quarters of the earth is its mm -hmm. playground. And you take it and throw it in a swimming pool and you expect to be happy. You're all sh shocked when it turns on a trainer one day because it's just cr gone crazy. And it's interesting to me because, I mean, obviously I'm not male. And um, <laughs> and so my interaction with men and my work with men is coming from a, a, a it's a different dynamic. I come from a different perspective. Yep. I of course work with them from their perspective, so that's okay. But it's a different dynamic because we're because I'm different. I right. can't say that I understand what it feels like to be impotent in that way. I don't. It's it's right. simple. I don't have the anatomy. Um, but I hear a lot about. Um, well, two different groups of men. So I'm, I'm curious. So older men, and by older, I mean over the age of 55. Okay. Some of whom are retiring. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe starting second careers or not sure what they're doing. Some of whom have lost jobs because of the ageist cultures in which we live. So the expectation is at a certain point that they will retire, that you will retire early. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and in the UK, we've got this thing where um, for the, for older folks in those days, contracts were, there was such a thing as a job for life right. that hasn't existed in the U S for quite some time. And so you might've worked for a company for 30 years and um, you're 60. And you planned on working until you were 70. But what they want is to get rid of you as soon as possible because they can hire somebody on a zero hours contract and not give them benefits for a lot yep. cheaper than they can keep you on. So there's a lot of that. So there's, there's quite a number of people in their 50s losing their jobs, men losing their, their jobs, and they've identified through their jobs. Yes. And this sudden... And, and some people even choosing to retire without anticipating the impact that that's going to have on relationship function, on sexual function, and on feelings. Um, and I've, I've noticed an intensity of depression hmm. because it hasn't been considered what this transition might look like. Right. It's just been kind of assumed and there's really, as always, men get in a situation like that and they're not really talking about it, especially when they get older. Yes. Right. They simply don't talk about it. So everybody has this expectation. And, you know, those who, who know the reality of it aren't, aren't, aren't really engaged all that much to say it's not like that at all. It's not at all what you think it's going to be. You know, I mean, men, men define themselves by their work. It, it 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 really is it we have for for forever really i mean it's just it's one of the key elements in in being a man so the idea of retirement just doesn't really resonate very well and and there there has to be something that engages a man at a, at a level that he feels it matters it's not just something to occupy the time it has to matter well that and that's the thing and that's that that's the thing that i wanted to to hone in on it's that lack of mattering Yes. I mean, it, it, it can be, 
it, it can be as simple as, you know, just doing a consultation for the SBA or something, or it could be as dramatic as starting another, a whole other business or, or, you know, do, doing something new or learning a musical instrument or, you know, trying to do a, uh, you know, a poetry slam or something, you know, but it's got to matter. It can't be, it can't be four hours of golf a day. I mean, the statistics are, statistics are quite clear that if when men retire at 55, if they don't find some kind of work that's meaningful, that's closely related or as meaningful as the job they left, 80% are dead by the time they're 65. Indeed. And it's it's that's, just that energy we need to matter. And that's an, I mean, that's, that's like, I take a second and say, let's think about that. Just let that statistic settle in. That's yeah. really frightening. Yes, but it is. it's also something that I've noticed um, that there, there are many people within six months to a year of retirement who are ill with critical illnesses. Yes. And it's that loss of, to me, it's that loss of identity. They've completely lost their central identity. Yes, they have. Yeah, they, they have. And there's no, and there's no, there's no replacing it. I mean, there's, there's, you know, everything else is a cheap substitute. You, you have, you have to find something that really engages your heart and that's what keeps you alive. It's that, it's that level. And, you know, men are sold the bill of goods and, 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 and believe that what they really want is all this free time to do whatever they want. That's not what they want. You know, they want relief from the stress and they want to be appreciated. That's what they really want. And they think somehow that this, you know, this magic time of retirement, this is all, you know, ah, that's, I really want to breathe. No, that's not what they want at all. I mean, I recommend that they, that they learn how to meditate before they decide to retire, because that will give them that. And in, in those moments, they will feel that, that re, reinvigorating of power and the like, and it'll be a completely different decision. And I, I smile at that because um, my father, who's no longer alive, um, retired and then unretired. Um, my father was a was a radiologist, a, a consultant level, very accomplished, mm. um, and adored his work. Um, and unlike many um, doctors of his time, he did have a private practice for a while. But for most of his career, he enjoyed working in hospitals, because when he worked in hospitals, he didn't have the administrative hassle. All he was right. doing was his work. And supervising right. and teaching. And, and so it was everything was about the work. So he very much, and the, and the work was about the people he was caring for. So he very much enjoyed <laughs> that. Um, and he had his own practice for a while and it got to a stage where he decided to retire. I think he was early 60s, but he decided to retire because he was sick of the administrative hassles of running a medical practice. Right. And I remember saying to him, Dad, I don't think it's a good idea. And he argued with me. And I said, no, really, seriously? Your first identity is a being a doctor. That's a big deal to you. Mm. And he kept saying, oh, I'll enjoy golf. I'll enjoy reading. I'll enjoy this. I'll enjoy that. <laughs> so he retired. And a few months went by. And my mother called me up one day. And she said, you have to do something. He's driving me crazy. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, he gets up in the morning and he asks me what's for dinner. <laughs> He's got nothing to do. Yes. So he actually then started locuming and doing um, short-term contracts and short-term works. And he, in fact, went back to work 
within a couple of months of that where he was working full time, even though technically he was only going to work part time. And he worked up until um, about three months before he was diagnosed with cancer Hmm. in his late seventies. Right. Right. Yeah. Because he, and, and he came back, came to me and he said, once he was re-engaged, you were right. This is what's important to me. And much as I wanted more time to explore, he was able to make more time to travel and do the things he loved. He loved photography. But giving all of it up, gave up giving up that identity was devastating. Oh, totally devastating. Yes, totally devastating. And nothing can substitute for it. I mean... It's very rare that somebody finds something else. I mean, you spend your life doing something because you're passionate about it. And very rare is there something else waiting in the wings that you'll feel the same level of passion about. I mean, it's just it's just not going to happen. So, you know, the, the, that it's it's just one of those big myths about, you know, that it's this, you know, the wonder of not having anything to do. There's nothing worse for a man than not having something to do. And not just something he chooses to do, but something needed to do. Right. He and looks out there and goes, oh, this has got to get done. I'm on it. And that's related to physical impotence as well. Oh, God, yes. I got you. I mean, you're not a man, right? Right. That's the you message. Know, okay, I, I've, got, I've got the equipment and everything, but I'm not doing anything. I'm not, you know, I mean, this is all here to do that. And right. if you take that away, I might as well not be here. You know? And I mean, I think one of the things that um, men often don't think about, and women certainly don't realize, is, is that the... the, the there is a direct connection between a man's emotions and his feeling of usefulness and the ability of him to function sexually. The penis Absolutely. knows, you know, it's just how it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it is very, very, very true. Yeah. I can and speak I, for, I can speak with authority uh, on, on that. I'd actually watched how, how I would function sexually with partners and it would shift and, you know, it, uh, last longer, last shorter, simply on, I, I could, I could feel how much I really wanted to be there. Yeah. It was like, it was, it was like this thing saying, I don't want to be here, you know, and eventually I became wise enough to listen to it that I just, I was very choosy about, you know, who I was involved in and, and the like, but there was now this coordinated effort between all of right. me and not just my head saying, Hey, wouldn't that be great? Right. Well, and, and when I was doing care and feeding of the vagina, one of the women was saying, you have to listen to your vagina. And so it's the same thing. You've got to listen to your penis. It's like you have to actually make that connection in yes. order to function well. I think one of the other things that stood out for me, and I, and I wanted to know what you think about this, is that in a sense we don't make sense for, for men to do that work easily because when men have problems with potency, they go and they take a pill. Yes. There isn't the corresponding treatment for women. So – women end up having to talk about it because they can't, a doctor can't just hand you a pill and make right. it okay. But because we've got medication that we can hand men that will provide potency. Yep. I wonder whether men actually get the opportunity to do the work that would make that mind, emotion, body connection. Um, well, they're certainly not going to get it if they are, uh, Unless they seek it out, or they have a, you know, they have an interest in and a history of uh, doing personal inner work, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some kind of some kind of practice or you know or meditation or some kind of inner work kind of thing. Otherwise, they'll never be exposed to it because if they 
don't, then they just go mainstream medicine. Mainstream medicine is, you know, it, you know, it's run by the drug companies, right? It's it's there to make it's there to make customers, not 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 cure illnesses, you know. And so it's it's a great it's a great you know the little blue pill as long as it's prescribed, it, doctor gets a chunk, the insurance company gets plenty, the pharmaceutical everybody's happy. It's a system that works for everybody except the poor guy that really wants to function on his own. Right. But I mean, at, at the same time, he's just so overjoyed to not have this on his plate. It it feels like a miracle, unless un, unless you've had enough experience knowing that it is at best a temporary fix, and and whatever it is that's causing that to happen is gonna pop up somewhere else. Well, Some other part of your life is gonna become impotent. Yeah, and that's the bit that I think people don't don't realize. I also I wanted to ask a question about another issue that keeps getting brought to me is this issue of pornography. Um, mm. Now, I will start by saying, and I say this so my audience uh, knows this, that I am not anti-porn. I think pornography is good stuff. I think um, ethical pornography is good stuff and that there's a use for pornography, the same as there, there's a use for any kind of erotica. But I had somebody ask an interesting question the other day who said that, um, what about the guys who become desensitized because they watch so much pornography? Um, and this affects functioning. And my response was, and, and, and I'm not sure what your view is, but we often get talked, people talk about sex addiction and I don't subscribe to that viewpoint. Mm. That viewpoint. I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's helpful to ca categorize it is a it's sex addiction because yeah. um, it's not treatable as addictions are treatable. And so I think what happens when somebody overconsumes pornography is it's a compulsion. Yes. And that's eminently treatable. So it's much better to, to, to describe it that way because there's loads of stuff that I can do as a psychologist, that I could do as a coach, that other people can do. Um, as healers to help that anxiety-based issue rather than cause, calling it an addiction, which kind of does nothing. It Do, does absolutely nothing except put it in the category with everything else that maybe they could prescribe something for, but there's no prescription for it. it, it it's, it's, a, it's a masking of, it really is kind of a different way of approaching impetus. It just means you're not a limp dick, right? I mean, um, but you are incompetent to have relationships with women. Are you desensitized? I have not actually personally seen a lot of that. I've heard about it, and they say it is. But they say the same thing about desensitization with video games, and there are those extreme cases. But I think video games are far, far more destructive, uh, and 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 mesmerizing than pornography. At least pornography, there's at least somebody else involved, and in, you know you're using your body and the like. In video games, you're completely in your head, and completely detached from any kind of effect that 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 you're having. It's really obvious to me in in the in the men I've known who have like. You know, eventually, kind of let go of it. It was simply a reflection of their of their fear of women, and their fear of having a relationship, and their fear of being competent, and their fear of performing, and their all the stuff they had around. Because what they really wanted was a real, actual woman. You know, that was warm and holdable and <laughs> and kissable. And I mean, that's what they really wanted. But it's it's a it's a nice, quick fix, right? Well, but that's what I was going to say. I mean, so for me, the person, one of the people who asked me about this, I said, "Look, here it is. 
if I want to masturbate, I know how to get myself off really quickly because I know what feels best to my body. Right. (laughs) A man watching pornography, it's the same thing. If you are masturbating, you know what works for your body. So bing, bang, boom. And it's easy. If you, because this person was talking about, you know, young, very young teenagers starting this way and having funny expectations. And I said, yeah, you will develop funny expectations. And here's how you develop them. You expect real life women to do what you do to yourself without teaching them. (laughs) And so it's actually really easy to fix. All you have to do is get, get them to understand that what you're doing to yourself, you have to teach someone else to do. You know, and yes, it's that and teaching them the social skills to relate within a relationship. So and, I, always and, saw and it as, I guess I'm saying I saw it as avoidance, not as. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And a, and a couple of guys I've, I've worked with that had never actually had sex. They were still virgins. Right. You know, just kind of coaching them through the whole problem, uh, the whole thing until, the, you know, they felt, you know, they felt really good. It was really very funny. I remember one in particular and uh, we'd done a, a great deal of inner work and he thought, oh, this is really good. He really cleared out a lot of stuff. And I said, OK, now there's one more thing I want you to do. I said, I want you to call her up and ask her out clearly. Right. It's one of those things where he was just he was trying. He was kind of around the edges and didn't really. I said, I want you to be absolutely crystal clear about what your intentions are, how you feel, and which, and I want you to call her within the next 15 minutes. He says, oh, I thought I was going to go off the phone. Now we just do the inner work. We'll be done. I said, oh, no, 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 no. No, the rubber's got to meet the road, boy, or you're going to be, you know, sitting alone in that room forever. And he did and became his first girlfriend, and he's finally not a virgin, right? But that was it. There was just no permission to go and actually, you know, the idea that like, oh, I can just tell her this is how I feel. Yes. And she may reject it. Duh. I mean, that's what happens. The rejection isn't going to kill you. Right. It's just going to sting. It's going to hurt. You know, you're going to be with it. You're not going to try to suppress it or bury it. Just be with that pain and eventually it goes away. And guess what? You do it again. <laughs> because you know it, it you you're never going to get over i mean people have this idea especially in inner work and you know meditation they get this idea that somehow i'm just going to transcend all the feelings like grief and rejection it's like oh my god please <laughs> this isn't the great escape this is this is the great engagement that's what the truth of meditation is it clears away all the bullshit so you're actually there and feeling and seeing things as they are and experiencing the entire range of emotions that are available to human beings which is just extraordinary yeah i i've always said you know you're in a body you're in a body to learn the <laughs> lessons of being in a body not to learn the lessons of escaping from a body <laughs> And emotions are part of that set of lessons. And I think, um, you know, I actually think it's universal. I think women are better at talking about it, but they find it just as difficult to deal with those hard emotions as men do. Well, we, we, we're all uh, somewhere along the line. We got we got. Uh, well, it's actually very natural. Right. For us to fear rejection, because primitively speaking, you know, especially if you're very, very young and you know, throughout most of human history, if you're rejected by your tribe, you're dead, period. So there is a very deep 
uh, thing physiological in the system and so it takes some maturity to separate between what's a rejection that's going to kill me and what's a rejection that's just going to hurt yep. <laughs> and 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 when you see that you can begin to develop the 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 courage and i'm always really in, impressed when women who are very very clear about how they feel about me one way or the other right they just it's very 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 clear i mean it's like oh it is such a relief to to not have to to have that kind of dance and pretend that you know it's either going to be the a real dance but not the pretend one you know just you know just put put it put it out there and it's well it's just it's it's juice i mean there's juice in that mm -hmm. <laughs> right i mean it's like it's 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 nothing to shy it's nothing to shy away from i mean uh, you know grief, grief rejection uh, fear self-doubt uh, they're all part they're all part of life it's so is incredible joy and 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 bliss and and intimacy and passion i mean it's like it's i like i like the whole enchilada the whole thing <laughs> so if um if people are interested in working with you, or do you, how do they contact you? And do you have any upcoming courses or groups running at the moment? Um, I have one coming up. If they if they go to um, go to gpwalsh.com slash ir, I have a free two hour workshop that I give to people, and it I mean it's long and in, and in depth for uh, it's called you're not broken, and it is just a look at what's really happening in your energy system and who you really are and and how you can understand that you know the kinds of patterns and stuff that you have felt so burdened by aren't really you they're patterns of reaction in the nervous system and you can learn to see them that way and thus get mastery of but there's nothing wrong with you you there's nothing wrong with you and that puts them on the list i have a a series i'm going to be doing in a couple of weeks i haven't put the uh, all the dates on it uh yet um on uh, meditation it's called master heart meditation the flowering of human consciousness and i've done i've done stuff on law of attraction and on eft and I, I, on uh, non-duality and various kinds of spiritual things i did one on christian mysticism so i do have a wide variety of courses but i'd never done one really just focusing on meditation and i've been meditating and teaching it for decades so i figured maybe it's about time i did that i have like 11 sets of meditations on in the classroom that you can that you can purchase there's probably a hundred hours worth of medit meditations there and the like but that's a good place to to start gpwalsh.com slash ir and that's really the entire approach of what i call inner reconciliation which is just coming to actually feel what you're feeling and not be afraid of it even when it's not pleasant that's great i've got <laughs> um the links to your website are on the podcast notes so anybody Great. who's interested will be able to just click the links. I've also got your social media links there. Um, and um, they will be on the website. Yeah, and there's a, well. I've got 450 videos on YouTube. Right. Right. So everybody should <laughs> yeah. also consider looking at the YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, pl there's plenty of content to get to know me before you, you know, before you decide if you want to actually go a little bit deeper with me. That's great. Thank you so much for joining me. Wow, I can't believe the time's already up. Wow. I, <laughs> I love I love this subject. Love you, Beth. You're extraordinary for doing this. Just extraordinary. Thank and, you. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Please write to me with suggestions for the show, questions you want answered at drbisbee at theintimacycoach.com. 
That's D-R-B-I-S-B-E-Y at the-intimacy-coach.com. Do follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out my YouTube channel. For a free 30-minute session with me, head over to HTTPS colon backslash backslash the-intimacy-coach.com backslash contact <laughs> and click the link that says the button that says schedule now. Next week, join me for part two of the care and feeding of the penis. I look forward to seeing you and thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher. And make sure you head over to www.the-intimacy-coach.com to subscribe for free newsletter updates to help you create and sustain an exciting trouble-free sexual life. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes on all topics, sexy, sensual, and intimate. Thanks for listening.